0: The Numinous Podcast, with Carmen Spaniola.
1: Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a compliment to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to make a difference in the world. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week my guest is the beloved astrologer, Georgia Nichols. And we're talking about how intuition just isn't really her style. She explains to me the mathematical basis for astrology, and I also finally learn what ephemeris means. I connected with Georgia on the phone. She was at home on Bowen Island, BC. (laughs) So, Georgia, I'm so excited to have you on the show today, and the first question I want to ask you is actually about uh, when I first invited you, I said, this is going to be a show about intuition and astrology, and you said, sure, but just so you know, that's not really my thing, and of course, that totally fascinated me, (laughs) so what did you mean by that?
0: (laughs) Well, I'm not saying that a lot of astrologers might not use that, but it's not my style, Um, You know, incidentally, that uh, maybe it was about a thousand years ago, but astrology was once taught at Oxford. So I take a more classical, um, mathematical approach. I rely on the ephemeris. Um, I, I, I see it as a mathematical discipline. I'm quite serious. And so to me, that's it. And I would be, I'm not going to say I would mistrust someone. In other words, if I guess I don't know a good psychic, but if I ever did encounter a good psychic, I think that would be a wonderful thing. But if I go to an astrologer, I'm expecting to hear something a bit more grounded. Now, having said that, I do think that now and then you can use your intuition and lift off the page, as it were. But okay. I I very rarely would do that.
1: Okay. so for those of us, uh, this is interesting, you talked about the ephemeris. And I have some little books that have these tables, and they say something about the ephemeris on it. And this is an incident that I, I, I run into commonly with astrologers is there's this whole vocabulary and all this jargon. And sometimes, you know, when I've had Astrological charts read to me. I mean, I just don't even know what this person is saying to me. It's like a different language. It sure. is mathematical. They're talking about, you know, well, your Saturn's trying, whatever. Yes. What is the ephemeris and what exactly uh, is the mathematical basis for astrology? Okay, Explain wow.
0: That. That's actually a pretty big question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good. Good. okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> First off, I'm even going to, if I may, if I may, I'm going to go uh, back even a little bit more, and then I'm coming up to your, to your question there.
1: Right.
0: Now, this is me personally speaking. I personally do not believe the planets affect us. I think that anybody who thinks, maybe this sounds a bit rude, that anybody who thinks Jupiter out there can actually affect you, I think that would be foolish, very foolish. Uh, The only thing, in my opinion, the only thing that affects us in the heavens is the sun and the moon. The sun definitely affects us. There's no question. The sun affects our activities. When the sun is shining, or or rather in the day, for example, um, there's activity, and at night uh, we're not nocturnal. I mean, there are nocturnal animals. That's why anybody could be a quickie little astrologer or a predictor and say, uh... Next Friday, there will be more cars on the streets of downtown Vancouver at 4 p.m. than there will be at 4 a.m. Now, that's being uh, predicated simply on the assumption of the sun, right? Mm -hmm. We we know that will be a fact. The moon also affects us, and I could give you studies about it, but but I'm not going to take all your time about that. But the moon does affect us because the moon has a gravitational pull on bodies of water, and we are, oh, at least 85% fluid. Now, the rest of it, the rest of the, of the planets, really what they do have is mathematical cycles. They have mathematical cycles that repeat, although nothing is ever the same. You know, you can't put your finger in the same stream twice. Right. You know that saying, right? Yeah. So, in other words, even if, like right now, Mars is in um, Libra for a long time right now, for about eight months, which is rather unusual— um so and yes Mars has been in Libra many times before and indeed it has even been in there oh back in the 80s f- for this long but nevertheless at the time Mars was in Libra before say Jupiter might not have been in Cancer and at the same time Saturn wouldn't have been in Scorpio etc cetera, etc cetera, et cetera, which is happening right now so what we have are all these planets are having different cycles and they can be mathematically uh, measured and then at the very time you are born the according to the longitude and the latitude and the time of day we will erect a chart for you or a c- computer does now obviously And so now we see, for example, that your sun might be, I don't have your chart handy, unfortunately, but let's say your sun is at 25 degrees Leo, your moon might be 4 degrees Cancer, Mercury might be 26 degrees Leo, Venus might be 27 degrees Virgo, Mars is 21 degrees Aries, and so on. Um, So then when I see these various planets being affected by the, uh, the current planets in the sky, one can make predictions about something that um, can happen to you, but it is not because the planets are causal. I do not believe the planets are causal. I believe that they are just like reading a thermometer or a barometer. Imagine if you had a little child, and every day you walked over to the window and you read the temperature, and you went, "Whoa, today we have to—you have to put on your sweater, or you have to put on a jacket to go to school." After a while, that child might think that that thermometer is causing why they have to wear their different clothes, right? Mm -hmm. But really, it's just information. So to me, astrology is a patterning of knowledge. It's a language. It's a patterning of knowledge. And indeed, chemistry is virtually a patterning of knowledge. We -hmm. look out there and we sort of test things and and find elements and whatnot, and we name them and codify them and put them in little compartments, and it's all a, a codification. It's a patterning of knowledge, So astrology is a soft science, but it's surprisingly scientific.
1: Yes. Does that answer your question? Absolutely, and And it's very juicy.
0: An ephemeris, (laughs) therefore, if you ever saw a tide chart, a tide chart is really an ephemeris, if you will, just for the moon. But an ephemeris is the same for the sun, moon, Mercury, Venus, you know. So yes, it looks bewildering with lots of numbers. And it is quite a study. I mean, you could study astrology forever, and there's still so much more to know, and that's so. The truth. How
1: did you get into studying astrology? You have a master's degree in theater. You, you know, I, I, I am trying to imagine how a person as uh, methodical and meticulous and thorough as you decided. I'm going to go into this as a profession.
0: It was hard for me. It was hard for me to do that. Uh, to begin with, I would say this, that I was naturally always interested in astrology. I grew up in a small town where, believe me, nobody was talking about astrology. And I recall very distinctly that at the age of 12, I remember knowing my the signs of my first boyfriend, the signs of my girlfriends, the signs of everybody in my family, etc., cetera, etc, cetera, because I discovered astrology in the horoscope columns in the newspaper, and I mm-hmm. would lie on the living room floor reading them, and I thought, this is esoteric knowledge well i didn 't use those terms then, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, I knew this is weird, like nobody was talking about this at church or at school or in my family or anywhere, but what is this stuff? And I was totally intrigued. Um, Then I think in my 20s, I drifted away from it. Then back in my early 30s, I grabbed it again uh, with great interest and started buying books and taught myself. But as for becoming a professional astrologer, there was a time where I, and I was in grad school at the time, uh, but I had been working part-time for a big company and myself and 500 other people were let go because of one company buying the other. And it was sort of horrifying for me to lose my job like that, right? And I don't know. I think I decided I didn't want to be in such a vulnerable position. But I was amazed. I found myself just renting my office downtown, going ahead and deciding to be an astrologer. I remember one of the reasons I was delighted to do so was I thought, hey, now I can justify buying all these books I want to buy. (laughs) But I also have to say that I was afraid to be an astrologer because I thought, oh, people will completely dismiss you. They'll see you as, I don't know, somebody living in a trailer park with their hair in curlers and chipped um, uh, nail polish. That's a bad... But, but, I mean, people do dismiss you if you are doing something like this.
1: Absolutely. So, um, absolutely. so how did you deal so with that social scorn?
0: Uh, I still get it. Um, let me think. You just you just deal... You, uh, I don't know if you deal with it. You have to just accept it. You have to just accept it. And people kind of smirk. You know, oh, well, they definitely do. And uh, what can you say? There's no point in trying to convince them. That's why I often turn down talks when I'm asked to speak. Let's say if they see me on TV and think, oh, she sounds interesting. And um, I recently turned down a talk that was at some event where they were going to be awarding people with these awards and I was going to be the entertaining speaker I thought, oh, no, I don't want to have to then first spend the one-third of the talk trying to win them over to even think I have any credibility, right? Mm-hmm. But I would never hesitate to give a talk if people were interested in astrology or if I was talking about my book or mm-hmm. that, you know.
1: Yeah, you, I love that you brought up your book because it's uh, your book, Your Future is really a, a, a guide for every sign forever. Basically, I think. how
0: did you do that? Well, virtually in a way, you and your future, um, it is really another Linda Goodman book, if you will. Linda Mm. Goodman came out with her book in the 70s, and it has sold over 90 million copies. I mean, talk about a big hit. But mainly because she was the first book to come out with it, that's all. She was Mm -hmm. the first to try to describe the 12 signs. And I'm going to tell you something interesting that I just learned this year, and it, to me, is mind-blowing I got an email from somebody and somehow she made a reference to Linda Goodman and said something about, and what a shame about her daughter. So I thought, hmm, what's that mean? And I had never really Googled or wikied, uh, read anything about Linda Goodman, other than, of course, having read her book years ago. So I delved into uh, a bit of her history. And yes, she did write Linda Goodman's Sun Signs. But when she was dying, and, and by the way, as an aside, her daughter disappeared or, or as an adult. And somehow she never found her, and they never found if if the daughter just either ran away or was kidnapped or what. And it was a sad situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it said that some English woman came over and visited her before she died and bought her name. And so the books that came out after Linda Goodman's Sun Signs are not written by Linda Goodman. That is shocking. I know, like the Linda, <laughs> the the love one, and you know what? I did read the Linda Goodman sun signs, but when I bought Linda Goodman's love signs and some of the others, I didn't read them. I have <laughs> them, and I they just sort of didn't grab me. Isn't that amazing that one that can is, do that?
1: I that is incredible. I know. Wow, you'll have, I've you, never heard you, of you that. Can Google
0: it yourself. I but will. Mind you, companies do that, and we do know that. I'm trying to think. Um, other astrologers who have died and for that matter i think even dear abby or dear Anne, some of them like their daughters are carrying on but they yes. use the actual name right
1: yeah okay so you've uh, your daughter i i went and saw you i guess about 17 years ago now for the first time i had been that teenager reading monday magazine the little free newspaper yes, I in victoria me, and yeah. i love reading we all at our at the restaurant where I worked we would put up your column in mm-hmm. the staff room and and uh, have discussions and so uh, I recently though had a session with your daughter Kelly yeah. Benson mm-hmm. and again I was so delighted that she didn't drown me in jargon and mm-hmm. the maths of it all mm-hmm. uh, and also took a very um, earthy approach to it so mm-hmm. i i just I, I want to commend you she's a lovely woman but also she is uh, clearly she lives and breathes this stuff and and is very intuitive and she does tarot and things like that so she i want to ask very you intuitive again,
0: well she's scorpio and pisces rising so she's very watery um, and yes. I would say that her approach is different from mine.
1: Yes, and but, she,
0: she, but she still is definitely using astrology. I mean, oh, if she's absolutely. doing astrology, no question.
1: So where do you put free will in all this? Then where do you put intuition? Where do you locate that? Um, because this mix—if it's so—if it's so very mathematical, are you saying that we're not really making choices? We're we're just under the the influence of the cycles. Like, where no. do you, how do you do that? And where, no, no, again, do you organize
0: this? The, I do not believe that, that the planets are causal. So that, right. so what it is, is we speak, and this is the pro- the problem. It's easier to talk that way. So in my columns, and perhaps even in a reading, I don't do the readings anymore, I will always speak as if I would say, well, Mars is in your your first house right now, so you're going to be very aggressive. Um but, it, but I'm speaking as if it's causal, but it really isn't. I am simply reading and getting information. So mm-hmm. I, it's like saying, well, you have a temperature of 105, so this is why you are you know, perspiring or whatever, right? Okay. But really, you're perspiring because of some other reason. And the fact that you have a temperature of 105 is a gimmick that I used using a thermometer to figure mm-hmm. out why you are what, how you are. Get it? Got the temperature it. part isn't causal. It's just information. But we tend to use the information as if it's causal, saying, you have a temperature of 105, you can't go outside.
1: Okay, that's very clarifying.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we will always speak as if it's causal, but it's I'm only reading a map. Astrologers are map readers, so I'm just reading a map.
1: Right, right? okay. And so so i does... Know... Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I just meant, so I would know that this is highly likely now why is it being why is it being caused it's actually being caused by something in your own karma or your own life you see
1: yes okay that's the cause now you are tibetan buddhist and yes. you've meditated with the dalai lama how what is the the buddhist view of astrology
0: they totally endorse it mm. um one of the five main subjects taught, not no longer, but in the Tibetan monasteries for centuries, was astrology. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Oh yeah, they totally endorse it, but different countries have different systems. The Chinese have their astrology, the Tibetans have their astrology, the Indians uh, in in India have their astrology, and of course the Western uh, approach has its astrology, which I do. Um, although a lot of people in the West would do Vedic astrology, which is Indian. I know Mm -hmm. a very few who can do Tibetan astrology. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I don't know any Westerners doing Chinese astrology, but there must be some. So there's different systems, right? But they're Mm -hmm. using, because everything is interconnected. Nothing is isolated. There is nothing that's isolated or inherent of its own existence, if you will, Anywhere in the world, everything mm-hmm. is connected with something else. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the notion. Okay, here's an example. You cannot see me right now, but let's say I was going to pick up one of those turquoise Papermate pens. You know them? Mm-hmm. They're ubiquitous. Yeah. You see them everywhere. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's say I'm holding one of those turquoise Papermate ball pens. And I could say, this pen has many definitions. Or I could define it in many ways. I could say it's a writing instrument. I could say it's a product sold by some drugstore. I could say it's a product made by Papermate or whoever. In fact, Sanford, I think, is the company that owns them. I could say it is made of plastic and oil and metal. I could keep defining it, right? But one of the definitions of this pen is that it is not anything else in the universe, and it is not even another so-called identical Papermate pen. Mm-hmm. In other words, the pen I'm holding, one of its definitions is that it is not anything else in the universe, right? Yeah, therefore, one of the definitions of this pen is uh, shows it exists in juxtaposition to everything else, mm-hmm. so you are not any other person in the in the universe, are you? That's right. one of the things that makes you Carmen unique. You are not anyone else. Therefore, one of the definitions of you ha- is tied in with everybody else because you're not everyone else. Mm-hmm. So that is, I know, uh, just one way perhaps of illustrating that we're all interconnected and so that's why I feel a birth chart has relevance mm-hmm. because at one point of time and what makes it unique, it is in not, not with anything else. Now here's where that, by the way, I'm going to now go against my own argument. Where that fails, in a way, is what about two babies born at the same time in the same hospital? Right. Yeah. So, in other words, there must be two babies born at exactly 1107 uh, a.m. December 13th, 1972, in, in a big hospital in L.A. Well, I think we would find, because I've also got little books to back that up, To you would find, shockingly, a lot of similarities how their life unfolds. Hmm. That they may make major moves at the same time. They may get married roughly at the same time. They may have uh, troubles in their relationship at the same time and stuff like that.
1: Wow. So you taught yourself. And I'm curious then if there is a, a book or, you know, an astrology Bible or a website or a resource for those of us who, you know, maybe we've gone to astrologers for years. We understand the signs in a general way, but we want to get into more of the technical aspects. What does trine mean? What does square mean? How do you sure calculate? Thing.
0: Right. Where, where sure would you thing. send somebody? Um, one very good book is called The Astrologer's Handbook.
1: The okay. Astrologer's
0: Handbook. And it's written by Francis Sequoian and somebody else. Sorry, I don't have it handy. Mm-hmm. It's written by two people. And I think the first name on it is Francis Sequoian. Um, obviously, if a person was getting to begin, uh, I actually think that my book is a great beginning. Right. Because in, in You and Your Future, what I, I say, I say, I describe the archetype. Of Leo, the archetype of Aries, the archetype of Taurus. So so I'm not saying you are, because you are, I forget, what is your sun sign again, please?
1: I'm Scorpio.
0: Oh, Scorpio. How could I forget that? Okay, (laughs) so you're a Scorpio. But in my book, I'm not saying you are a Scorpio because of this, you are this and this and this. I I start off as saying, what is Scorpioness? Did you Mm -hmm. notice that at the beginning, it says, what is Leo-ness? What is Aries-ness? In other words, we all have, actually, we all have all 12 signs in us. Did you know that?
1: hmm yes,
0: yes, you told so, me that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, therefore, it's like portion control, if you will. So, like, you have way more Scorpio than I do, right? Right. But I have just enough to get where you're coming from. That's mm. why when we meet people, we kind of sense who they are, right? Mm-hmm. So, we all are kind of complete with all this energy, but... Um so the first thing a person would have to know is the meaning of all the signs. What does it mean to be Scorpio? What does it mean to be Leo? And does it mean to be, uh, a person might be, for example, uh, Clint Eastwood is Scorpio rising. He's Gemini Scorpio rising. He is more Scorpio than you because the rising sign is a an even stronger expression of the sign than the sun sign. Mm. And so that's why he's Dirty Hairy. That's why he has a very strong look to his eyes. All his power is in his eyes on the screen. If you mm. cover up his eyes, he's he's boyish, right? Because mm. he's Gemini, and, and he is intimidating, isn't he? Yeah. But he wasn't when he was younger. But all Scorpio rising people as they get older definitely become intimidating. And I often tell a client that and they go, Oh, I'm not. I said I remember one time I said to somebody, believe me, one day they're gonna call you Dragon Lady. She said, Oh, they already are <laughs> But so so um the first thing if you were going to learn about astrology is you have to understand the language. So you first uh, must understand the language of the archetypes of the twelve signs and I think in that my book is excellent. And mm-hmm. so we all read then to Goodman. Then next, you have to understand um, the houses, because I would even say that in my book, I even cover the planets, because I, I start almost each section saying if you want to understand the concept of Aries, you have to understand Mars. Right. If you want to understand the concept of Aquarius, you have to understand Uranus, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to understand Scorpio, you have to understand Pluto, because Pluto... In ancient mythology, uh, mythology ruled Hades and the underworld and everything that was hidden. And sure enough, that's what Scorpio rules in, in astrology. It rules the subtext of everything, everything that is hidden, right? Mm-hmm. And I know I went into this with you during our reading, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So so when I go into that in my book, so a person, A, then needs to know the, uh, what the meanings of the signs of the planets are, and then next needs to know the meanings of the houses, and the houses, a chart, is sort of a big pizza cut into 12 pieces. So, And from 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock on that pizza, you could say that's a horizon. And everything above the horizon is very uh, visible. Everything below the horizon is hidden. So, for example, in my chart, all of my planets are above the horizon. And it's true, I'm a high-vis person. Even before I became well-known as an astrologer, I always was high-vis for various reasons. I mean, I'd been on TV or radio for other reasons. I know that sounds funny, but, but it's true. I've always been sort of noticeable. And in turn, some people would have all their planets below. Let's say a person comes to me, I can, uh, and, and they have all their planets below the horizon, except maybe they have Jupiter in their seventh house. So they have one planet above the horizon, and the seventh house is all about marriage and partnerships. And in turn, Jupiter is about wealth. So I would say to her, and I have done this, nobody knows you particularly at all. You're quite private. But they do know you because you are the wife of somebody rich. <laughs> and she says, exactly. Yeah? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, uh, so then we would see where do these planets fall. And if, and if, for example, we have some strong planets falling in, oh, in the fifth house, we're going to see that that person's going to be either really, really creative or great in sports or if the planets are falling in the fourth house, especially especially wherever the sun falls, your sun in Scorpio or your sun in Aries, that shows where your, hmm, what would I say, your belief system is or what you really grab, uh, what is so valuable for you, what, what motivates you. So, for example, both of my grandchildren have sun in the fourth. So Kelly's two boys have sun in the fourth house. And that means that home and family is everything to them. Well, what a compliment to her. She's raising her kids in such a way that they think home and family is where it's at, right? Mm -hmm. And she does. She has a very dynamic, lively home, and her home is the headquarters for the boys. Mm -hmm. I mean, she, let's say, for example, her 12-year-old recently had a birthday party and had about 12 kids there, and they all slept over. (laughs) Right. <laughs> wow. well, who? how many people want to have a bunch of 12 year old boys sleeping over it was insane i was there <laughs> but that's kelly you know she, and, yeah. and and her she's always been like that so so the kids just think their home life is very solid and and fun and they mm. think that's something they want again in their own future you see
1: mm-hmm. yeah. okay so I, I, this is very compelling what you demonstrated there with the the woman with the one sign in in mm-hmm. in Jupiter, uh, you know, above the horizon, everything below. Yeah. And what you did there was, you know, interpretive, not intuitive. So I totally. can see yeah. how there's so much rigor applied in astrology. Very but you totally. personally, mm-hmm. as a pretty much lifelong. Practitioner. I'm curious then about your relationship to intuition and sort of bringing this back to at the beginning of the conversation, you said, of course, there are times when you sort of go off script or it's off the page. What is your relationship with your intuition like?
0: I would say that I use my intuition more just in meeting people, in uh, not uh, very, uh, there have been a few times where I felt it very strongly in a reading. Mm -hmm. And a reading, incidentally, to me is um, more of a divination. I mean, so I do believe there is that magical quality to astrology, mm-hmm. right? But sometimes, sometimes you you just get a sense of something about a person, or I hate to say it, often it's negative. Mm. You can just feel that. I never would say it. Oh, by the way, and I don't don't mean this in a reading. I mean just meeting a person, meeting right. a person. I you could see a person, maybe you see their anger, you see their rage or whatever, and then I just get this real hit that they won't, they're they not long-lived. Mm. But in a way, that's almost common sense, you know? Mm. But, you, I mean, I'm sure you're very intuitive, like, how do you get it? Don't you know that, or you, it's just a feeling you get. It's, it's more of a, like a thought that occurs. Incidentally, even astrology actually describes that, because the water signs... Their psychic quality is more, almost like humming it or sensing it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. air, Aquarius, can be very intuitive too. But theirs is more like a flash, a thought. It's electric, because mm-hmm. Uranus rules uh, electricity. And as a matter of fact, Aquarian people, if they have a lot of Aquarius in them, they can actually put out street lights. If street lights are just ready to die in the next right. couple of weeks, they can actually zap them out, and they yeah. can zap things. Uh, so there's different ways that intuition works. It can work in an air way. It can work in a a watery way, which to me is more, you know, and it can even work in a in an earthy way. Well, we know that telemetry and that when people people pick up things and then they they right. get a sense of things. Yeah. So so I do believe, and I have had it. I have had messages where I have this, like I just know it. But mm-hmm. mostly, what I rely on is my intellect using astrology. For for example, I knew looking at my chart that last year I had some kind of move that it was going to happen. And I was not planning on moving, right? And I'd built a house about 10 years ago and I'm certainly not going to I live on Bowen Island and I'm living in 4 acres of forest and I love it and I've built this house and and that's it for me, I think here. But I had an apartment in the city. And mm. so I thought wow, maybe something horrible will happen and I can't afford my apartment, you know, because it was an extravagance. And so I was fearful that something would happen so that economically I, I was going to say, oh, I have to let this go, right? But instead, you know what happened? They sold the building. I got kicked oh. out of the building. They sold the building. We all got kicked out, right? Oh. <laughs> so I did move, but 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 it wasn't for the reason I was fearing.
1: Right. Right. You know that thing about the street lights almost going out? The second yes. time I had a reading with you, you picked up on something like that in my chart. I don't know if it was like Uranus Pluto, something was happening. Yes. And um and I ended up that happened to me that I, you know, yes. walked this particular street and yeah this light would go out. And I thought, okay, well, it's always the same light. So it's clearly just, you know, it's, it's random, it's chance. But I said to my friend that this was happening, I would either see the light. And as soon as I would look at it, it would go off. Or I would see the light it was on as soon as I would look at it it would go off, Uh, you know, whichever it was. And so he was with me one day and he was telling, he was saying to me, no, Carmen, it's because you're in the zone. I've walked by that. Every time I come to your house, I walk by it and it doesn't go off. Right. And so we were walking together and he said, I bet if you wanted to, you could just make it go off with your mind. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to do it. And it happened I believe more than once. And so then I, I, I was a little bit weirded out by the whole thing. I felt like, um, drew Barrymore in that movie firestarter (laughs) or whatever it
0: was right okay so
1: as I bring the the time to a close which I hate to do because I am so thrilled to be talking about you for for once um I just want to ask you one last question and it comes from the Proust questionnaire oh yeah the question is what do you consider perfect happiness
0: what do I consider perfect happiness I would say, I know there's a lot of philosophical answers I could give that, but uh, my honest answer is the happiness of my loved ones. Mm. <laughs> when my loved ones are happy, I'm thrilled. Mm. And,
1: mm.
0: and, I mean, that, I, I couldn't ask for more. Yeah. Yeah
1: that's so great and I can hear that in your voice when you talk about mm-hmm. Kelly and the boys and mm-hmm. that's so sweet thank you so much for being on the show Georgia I've been a lifelong uh, believer in and um, you know consulter of astrology but I, I was always a little confused about why it worked and uh, I'm really enjoying the approach that you've shared it's been very good. educational good I'm glad she great? I love her. There were so many good parts, but I love that image of the child looking at the thermometer and thinking the thermometer is causing the weather. And I love hearing Georgia Nichols say, anyone who thinks the planets are causal. <laughs> That's so great. And this idea of the patterning of knowledge and how chemistry does the same thing really resonated for me. And I loved that image of Georgia Nichols on the living room floor, reading the horoscope in the newspaper. I could totally relate to that. And it took me back to 12 years old, me and my friend, Christine Jakubowski, buying our little tubes of star scroll horoscopes at the local drugstore. The first time I got a reading with Georgia was yeah, well over 15, close to 20 years ago, she doesn't do them anymore. So I highly recommend you get the book, You and Your Future. Or I can also highly recommend uh, working with her daughter, Kelly Benson. You can get all the information about Georgia and Kelly on my website, CarmenSpaniola.com. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. That's where you'll find all the links you need. And I want to thank Georgia for coming on. She's definitely coming on again. We're going to talk about the past lives and reincarnation stuff. Totally fascinating. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate your review on iTunes and please share it far and wide. That way it can reach more seekers just like you and you never know who needs to hear it right now. If you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can go to my website, CarmenSpaniola.com, and click the link for The Numinous School, my online intuition development course. While you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter. You'll instantly receive a meditation download, and you'll get something free from me every month. Until next time, take care.